Uh, Lord, we ask you to talk to us today. You said that your people die for lack of knowledge and uh, lack of your presence. So please, in your kindness and in your gentle love, condescend to us and be with us now. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to talk about an interesting subject, you know, that you don't hear a lot of talk about, and that's really uh, depression. Uh, you know, I think COVID, COVID just messed everything up. It just, it feels like, uh, you know, I hear people fighting with their neighbors who were getting along. I hear uh, businesses that, you know, people are quitting their jobs, the great resignation. I, I have, uh, I deal a lot with different churches and there's a lot of like pastors fighting with their boards about stuff and all. And it's like, man, it just feels like everybody's kind of on edge lately. And, uh, and the Bible does uh, talk about depression. When I grew up, uh, one of the lines I heard from our pastor was, well, if Jesus isn't enough, then there's something wrong with you. And, you know, I'm sorry, but that just doesn't work in real life for me. Because I know people who have Jesus and who love Jesus and are passionate for him. And they still have struggles with depression. I know people, uh, I worked uh, for eight years with a pastor in Manhattan Beach at Journey of Faith. And he wrote a book uh, that came out last year called The Field Guide to Anxiety. Talking about his own journey of kind of wrestling with not just his anxiety, but the conflict because he's also obsessive compulsive. And how those things cause issues for him. And, and I've got a, a, a beautiful, a lovely granddaughter who you would just all instantly fall in love with, who's been going to counseling for several years just because she has so much anxiety, so much tension inside of her. And uh, it just breaks my heart because, you know, you, you just wish you could wave your magic wand or say a special prayer and all that would just go away, but it doesn't. And so uh, what I want to talk about is reality today. And I want to talk about it from the Psalms. The Bible in front of you would be page 484, Psalm 42. A lot of times people in, who study the Bible a lot would put Psalm 42 and 43 together, kind of group them together. But we're just going to take 42 today. And uh, you'll see it says in, in your pew Bible, it, it talks about this being as the, be, the beginning of uh, the second book of the Psalms, in the second major section. It says that this is a psalm that was written by, the, the, by Korah, the sons of Korah, and those were the worship leaders of Israel. They were people who, uh, back in their family history, their family had rebelled against Moses and had been really kind of uh, you know, pushed out of everything because of what they had done. But eventually they rose up to become the prime musicians of Israel, and they would lead the, you know, the whole nation in all the high holy days. They would be the ones... Uh, you know, on the, who would be leading people in worship. And uh, they write this, and I'm drawn, to, I'm drawn to honesty. I'm drawn to people who, who uh, just tell the truth. And what I like about, about this one, you know, some, one of the growing things in our society is, you know, kind of bipolar stuff, and it almost, the writer almost feels that way. You know, everything's bad, everything's awful, but I'm going to trust God. And then, oh, no, there's a, a lot of stress and pressure, but I'm just going to hope in God. And it's kind of like, well, make up your mind, you know. But to me, it's real because I don't know about you, but I'm just not happy every day. 
Uh, you know, and I, I have a lot of good friends I've known for an awfully long time who sometimes have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. And I, I like the reality of saying, you know what? Come to God with your emotions. Come to God with your feelings. Don't push him away. Let him get involved. Let him help you. Uh, and I feel so often like, uh, you know, we're so powerless because you don't get to choose your brain. You know, you don't get to choose the way the wiring is in your head. <clears throat> I also think we have a blessing that, frankly, the only one I know who can help with the wiring in your brain is God. I don't know anybody else who could help with that. Uh, when I was a pastor in Whittier, 21 years at Whittier Community Church, you know, we used to do CDs of the sermons and everything. The best-selling CD we had sold more than anything I did in, uh, in the 21 years there was a, a sermon I did called What I Learned in 11 Years and $40,000 of Marriage Counseling. And that was the one everybody bought, you know, because it, it, was, it was real, it was human. It wasn't uh, trying to be pretentious. It was just being honest about struggles that, that my wife and I had in our marriage. Uh, the first uh, slide here is uh, according to a recent study by the World Health Organization and Harvard Medical School, America may very well be the saddest nation in the world. Researchers found that 9.6% of Americans suffer from depression or bipolar disorder, the highest among 14 major nations polled. I guess I don't know if I'd ask you and if you agree or not, because if Harvard and the World Health Organization say that you guys have this thing in America, you know, and here it is. You guys are depressed a lot. You guys struggle a lot. You've got a lot of bipolar. You've got a lot of depression going on. That's probably something we ought to at least take a look at. Do you agree? Yeah. Psalm 42. Uh, go forward. Uh, yeah, go one more. There we go. As the deer pants... As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Uh, what, what's Israel like as a country? Is it very green and flourishing, or would you say it's more deserty and rocky? That's the right answer, you know. Uh, and as deer would live in, in the hills of that country, they... Finding good, clean water was a, a matter of survival for them. And as they need that, God, I need you. Verse 2, I thirst for God, the living God. Where, when can I go and stand be, before him? Now, one of the things I want you to pay attention to, if you can, if you take notes especially, pay attention to what he says about God. He defines God in probably about 10 different ways. The first thing he says here is he's the living God. He's a God who is alive. He's a God who is real. <clears throat> uh, I've been a pastor now for over 50 years. And I am uh, more conscious every year of my life how insignificant I am. Uh, the last two churches I, I pastored at were over 3,000 people every Sunday. And a lot of people say, wow, that's, that's really something. You know what? It means less and less to me every week. Uh, I actually had a chance to preach at one of them today, and I chose you, by the way, because I, I just feel something when I'm with you that I, I like feeling. 
uh, and the, where can I go and, and stand with him? Job uh, says the same thing, Job 23. If only I knew where to find God, I'd go to his throne and talk with him there. Uh, and verse 3, day and night I have only tears for food. My enemies continually taunt me, saying, well, where is this God of yours? Um, there are times I, I don't fully understand it because I used to think, well, maybe it's because I sinned in my life and God wants, wants to leave me alone. Maybe it's that I did something wrong. Maybe it's you know, just that God's angry with me about something, or maybe I need to make a deal with God. Or I, and I began to realize, you know what, sometimes it's just, it's just the way life goes. Sometimes in the sense where we don't have a close sense of God's proximity, it's just God saying, trust me. Trust me, even when your feelings aren't on board, even when your emotions are distant, I want you to, to believe in me and trust me enough to, to realize I'm still with you. In the Psalms, in another place, it says, even the darkness is light to God. In other words, there, one of the things you learn in life that's really hard to learn is about the awful grace of God. And one of the things you learn is that God is as much in the darkness as he is in the light. But sometimes it's harder to see him and find him. And they're wrestling with this. You know, here, this picture, sometimes on the outside, again, people are taunting them and ridiculing them, but on the inside, they have this longing and vulnerability. In essence, it, it almost feels like there's some validity in what people are saying. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians 1. We, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we'd never live through it. This is the Apostle Paul talking, one of the greatest Christian missionaries of all time. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. And we have placed our confidence in him, and, we will and he will continue to rescue us. Do you hear the resolute trust and faith in spite of incredibly difficult circumstances? How about Jesus? Matthew 26. Uh, this is right towards the end of his life in the garden uh, when he's with his disciples and the soldiers are going to come take him away. Jesus told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. Some people say, oh, no, no, Jesus could never be depressed. He could never be discouraged. He says, I'm just crushed right now. It tells us in the Bible that as he prayed, his capillaries along his sin, uh, skin erupted, which is one of the, the signs of the most tension and pressure you can feel in a human body. Everybody thinks, yeah, he just kind of walked casually towards being whipped and tortured and put in prison and uh, put on the cross. Yeah, it was just nothing for him. He, because it says in the text, he knew what was coming. He fully knew what was going to happen to him, it says. It says, he, even though he knew that, it says when those guards came, he still stepped forward to meet them. And here it says, in his own words, it was a tough, tough night. What was even tougher 
all of his disciples wandered off and then night fell asleep. Nobody even prayed with him. Not one. Verse 4 of our psalm now. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy, giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. They're the worship leaders. You know, (laughs) sometimes probably over the years I've listened to you lead and I'm sure, probably I was even aware some Sundays it was really hard for you to do that, right? You know, it's not like every week is just, a, oh, praise God, everything's just sweet and kind. You know, some, some weeks it's just resolution. It's just, it's just making up your mind you're going to do it. And that's where these guys are at, you know. But notice how they keep asking questions. You'll see a lot of their questions. Now, these are the why questions. Why am I, what did I do? Why is my heart sad? And then, you know, here's what I need to do. I've just got to put my hope in God no matter how I feel. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And that's the key line, I think, right there that we'll see repeated later on. I make a choice to put my, my hope in God. Here's a writing from uh, Frederica Matthews uh, Green. My hunch is that you are already sensing something of God's presence or you wouldn't care. Picture yourself walking around the shopping mall, looking at people, looking at the window displays. Suddenly, you get a whiff of cinnamon. And I have to spell it this way, cinnabon, because uh, I, know, I, I know they're over 600 calories apiece, and I try to stay away from that. Now, you weren't even hungry, but now you are really crave a cinnamon roll. This craving isn't something you made up. There you are, minding your own business when some drifting molecules of sugar, butter, and spice collide with a susceptible patch inside your nose. You had a real encounter with cinnamon and a a mental delusion, not a mental delusion, not an emotional projection, but the real thing. And what was the effect? Well, you want more now. And if you hunger to know the presence of God, it's because you have already begun to scent, to scent God's compelling delight. <clears throat> I like what she says, because I've had that uh, whiff of cinnamon. And something, I am such a sucker for fresh baked bread, fresh baked anything, uh, you know, it gets me in trouble. And... Uh, and Cinnabon is one of those, those things I, I understand. Uh, I, when I go in the theater sometimes and they're, they're uh, making up the popcorn, I, I didn't even know I wanted popcorn when I went in the door. But as I smell that, you know, that popcorn, I just, oh, man, oh, honey, maybe we ought to get a little popcorn. You know, It's just we get sucked in by the scent of it. And sometimes what she's saying is it's that way with God. Sometimes you don't fully understand what's going on, but you begin to have a sensation that something is at work inside of you, and you begin to get a sensation of God. He goes on, Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, 
the source of the Jordan River, uh, from the land of Mount Miser. I'm not going to get into all the specifics, but one of the recurring themes you'll see here is water. Okay, so as as the Jordan River flows, you know, from Mount Hermon, it, he says, "I'm going to remember, you know, that that you bring." the water that the, the deer pants for, the water that we need in a desert country. Warren Wisby wrote, if, you allow, if we allow how we feel to alter what we believe, we are in trouble. God is much greater than your feelings about him uh, or your thoughts concerning him. And again, if you limit God to the limitations of your emotions and your mind, you are limiting God. You get that, Right? And, and you don't realize it. One of my coworkers says his father always told him, people will tell you all your life to think outside of the box. He says, don't do that. Because when they say that, they have already defined the box. Don't let them push you into that kind of a mold of thinking, of thinking you've got to just, just think and, and come up with things. But just get away from the, the normal way that people think about those things. Uh, he goes on, I hear that the tumult uh, of the, verse 7, the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. These images of water again. Psalm 69, 15. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. I've talked to enough people who are depressed over the life that one of the things I have heard numerous times is I feel like I'm drowning. And that's kind of the imagery they're trying to pick up. Uh, Verse 8, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Here's We talked about the living God, now we're talking about the God who gives me life. And he says, uh, each day... He, he pours out his unfailing love, his never-failing love upon me. I know he loves me. It would be nice, wouldn't it, if we could just go to the grocery store, drugstore, and buy a, a tin of these and just have little happiness pills that we could take and all of a sudden everything would be sweet and kind. But it doesn't work that way. As C.S. Lewis, the great apologist, writes, a car is made to run on gasoline and it would not run properly on anything else Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits have designed, are designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Yesterday, I took my grandson out to his favorite restaurant, a pizza place, uh, Northern Italian Pizza, uh, Fuoco in uh, Fullerton, California. And he was, uh, he's a sophomore in high school. And he was, I was just asking, you know, how are you doing? How is school? He said, oh. I said, how did you like uh, elementary school? On a scale of 1 to 10, that was a 9. How did you like uh, junior high school? Well, that was a 7. Okay, how do you like high school? He said, well, I don't know. I, I, it's really hard. It's like, you know, there's just so much drugs going on, and all these kids are doing pot, and they're doing other stuff. And, you know, uh, he said, I'm, I'm okay because most of my time is spent with the track team and stuff, but 
we're not that into that because we're all in training. But, you know, it seems like everywhere I go, all this stuff is going on. He says, it just doesn't feel good to me. I mean, it's, it's a tough world out there for everybody. Uh, it says uh, in verse 9, Oh, God, my rock, now God, living God, God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Now we're, more why questions. Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? In verse 11, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. There's that same resolute statement. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. I feel like, like uh, there's several places where it talks about uh, Psalm 51. David said, you know, when I, when I uh, pushed you away from me, God, I felt like my bones were breaking. And they pick up that imagery here as well, where he says their taunts break my bones. And what they're dealing with, again, is the reality of here's the worship leaders. And people say, oh, you know, this, this stuff isn't, isn't right. It doesn't work. And then they go home, and in the, the quietness of their own thoughts, the, you know, in the, in the quietness of their own struggle in their soul, you know, they're wrestling with, uh, with their feelings being erratic. Now, uh, some of you are musicians. I've, uh, I've got a lot of uh, friends who are musicians. My, my nephew's husband is the lead singer in a group called Safety Suit, and, you know, and uh, Doug's a good friend of mine, and I've, got, I've always been close with the worship leaders we had at church. And, you know, one thing I've learned about musicians is the emotions go up and down. It just, it's just part of it. Uh, and I think one of the sad things I've felt for musicians over the years is people hear these like sad, beautiful, sad songs they write and say, oh, you know, when you really hurt, when you're really in pain, you write such beautiful words. Would you mind getting in pain a little bit more so you can share a little more? I mean, you ever listen to Taylor Swift's music about, you know, every relationship, every heartbreak, everything she goes through? You know, it's just like they're, they're volatile. The emotions go up and down. And, and at some point, you have to come to this resolution that they come to. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I don't know why I'm discouraged. I don't fully understand why I'm sad. I don't know why I'm wired the way I am. I don't know why I have these struggles. And here's what I'm going to do about it. I'm just going to trust God anyway. I don't know what else to do but put my trust in him because I know there's a day coming when I will praise him again. Because ultimately, look at that last line. He's my what? He is my savior. He's my salvation. He's the one who saves me. He's the one who rescues me, and he is my God. Emil Brunner, the great Swiss theologian, said, what oxygen is to the lungs, such is hope to the meaning of life. You just can't give up on hope. Stuart Briscoe in the Bible, hope is not hope so. The hope that a Christian has is a guarantee that the future is secure. Her hope is not in ourselves or in our circumstances. You know, our hope is in the living Christ. Great example of that, Romans 4. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations. 
even when he was in his 80s and he still had not had the child that God promised him, he still hoped. Even when God took him out in the wilderness with his son Isaac and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your son on an altar and I want you to kill him and offer him as a sacrifice to me. And God intercedes and that doesn't happen. But it tells us in Hebrews that Abraham was willing to do that because he believed that God had promised him that through Isaac he would be blessed and he knew that even if he had to give Isaac's life up that God would raise Isaac back from the dead. He trusted God no matter what God asked him to do, no matter where God asked him to go, and the sons of Korah come to that same reality. I don't know what to do sometimes to cope with COVID and life and everything. So here's what I decide to do. My human will, my resolute human will, I will hope in God. Period. And that's all I have to say about that. Forrest Gump. Uh, I want to close with this, these kind of couplets from a writer named Carol Kent. Carol Kent is not in early life. For most of the last 20 years, she's had to deal with her son who's in prison and trying to love him and care for him, even though he's in tremendous despair because of mistakes he made in his life. But out of that, she wrote these words. When despair tries to take me under... I choose life. When I wonder what God could possibly be thinking, I choose trust. When I desperately want relief from unrelenting reality, I choose perseverance. When I feel oppressed by my disappointment and sorrow, I choose gratitude. When I want to keep my feelings to myself, I choose vulnerability. When nothing goes according to my plan, I choose relinquishment. And when I want to point the finger, I choose forgiveness. When I want to give up, I choose purposeful action. I like that. So if you'd like to pray this prayer with me, I'm going to read it. And then if you'd like, we'll pray it together. But I want to read it first. Dear God, I claim your presence and power right now where I am. The circumstances of my life right now have not changed you. Uh, Reveal more of yourself to me. Help me to know you more intimately than ever before. I place my hope in you. I long to grow into, your, into the greatness that you have intended for me. Now, if you'd like to, let's say those words out audibly, but no pressure for anybody to do it. Ready? Here we go. Dear God, I claim your presence and power right now where I am. The circumstances of my life right now has not changed you. Reveal more of yourself to me. Help me to know you more intimately than ever before. I place my hope in you. I long to grow into the greatness you have intended for me. Let's pray. In the words of the song, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And I choose to put my hope in you, even when I don't fully understand things. So please come and be with me. In Jesus' name.